let me just be here with you. So I just, whenever I had the chance to speak to anybody online, mm-hmm. I was so immensely, intensely grateful that I was like, just, I'm here to listen to you. I just want to share the space with you and that's it. I don't need anything else from you. And people just open up. Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. What is happening? I am Mal Foster and you are listening to the latest episode of your third favourite, above average, but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. I'm actually kind of sure that the intro to this show used to be longer. I feel like I'm missing something, like there was an added bit after that. That's how it feels, at least. I don't know, maybe it's always been that short and, and I'm just kind of Mandela affecting myself. If you can actually do that, can you Mandela affect yourself? I mean, I guess you probably can. Sure, why not? Anyway, the the easy solution would be to just go back to an old episode and listen to the intro to see if it has been that short. But in typical fashion, I just really can't be asked doing the easy thing. So yeah, that's the new intro, (laughs) I guess. Unless it has always been that. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. The main bit is in the new short truncated intro, which really isn't truncated at all, considering um, it's probably like quadruple the length it used to be. If in fact it did used to be longer. We're going in. A, we're going into a feedback loop here again. Um, the, the main point is the information that you need is out there. I tell you who I am. I tell you what you're doing, which you already know. Um, and yeah. That's a great way to get us started. Pulling us back on track before I completely derail this episode before it even gets going. If you listened to last week's episode, as always, first and foremost, thank you very much. Um, I hope you're doing okay after it. It was an experience, for certain. One that I didn't really plan on having or expect to be having, but um, an experience nonetheless. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, then do yourself a solid... Go and check it out, because it's difficult to describe. Words kind of fail me. But if you've always wanted to teach your cat about gun safety and the dangers of uh, Satanism and online predators, then it's definitely one for you to dive into. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing cat owners a real public service with this one. Anybody that hasn't listened to last week's episode, yeah, you're probably thinking, what the hell is he talking about? Um, I'm not going to recap it here. Yeah, just seriously, do yourself a solid. Go back and and listen to it. It was It was something. And if you have since kind of dived into that particular book in question, which I'm vaguely not really talking about here... Um, I would love to know. I'd love to see some photographs of it on your bookshelf. You can send them to me via Twitter or Instagram. Well, you can't send them to me at Instagram. I mean, you could put it up in, on Instagram and tag me. At I am Mal Foster. That's a place to do that. Um, this week's episode, thankfully, has its feet much firmer on the ground. 
It is a guest episode. In fact, it is the first of a two-part guest episode. And our guest for this week and next week is... Gabriel Jacob Luansing. Or, as he is better known, Mr. Master. Gabriel, that is his rap name, by the way, legitimately. Gabriel is a man of many dimensions. He is a hip-hop MC who fuses academia and linguistics and a whole manner of stuff into his work. He is a beat maker. He is an autodidactic individual. He is a charming personality. He is a very empathetic person and, and a great conversation. In fact, me and Gabriel actually talked when recording this for about roughly, give or take, two hours. And that's why it's a two-part episode. Uh, yeah, we got into a lot of stuff. Next week's episode is where we really get into the music side of things. We do touch upon it at the beginning of this episode, but this first part of the two-part conversation I had with Gabriel kind of goes a lot of places. It is a touch scattered, and there is a little bit of a break randomly halfway through, which I'll explain at the time. But yeah, we cover a lot of ground, starting with the music, getting into his ultra project, into the idea of excavation of self, into patterns and human beings. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> human beings, sort of proclivity to look for patterns, to find patterns, to cling to patterns. We talk a little bit about the current state of hip-hop. We talk about cognitive function and communication during quarantine of 2020. And we get into long-form conversations that Gabriel has had with fans of his music during 2020. And that kind of takes us into a whole completely different area that I wasn't expecting to, but was really fascinating to sort of dive into, kind of get a look inside of his mind with some of that stuff. Um, we get into the hero's journey, the creative process, and decisiveness. So, yeah, it's pretty varied. But rather than talk to you about the conversation, let's just dive into it. This is the first of a two-part conversation with Gabriel Luansing, a.k.a. Mr. Master. Hope you enjoy, and I'll see you guys on the other side. What art form do you primarily dabble in or partake or practice or put out there into the universe? Experimental avant-garde rap music, firstly. Secondly, it took me a second to be able to claim this as a medium, but those genius annotations, if you saw those pages, mm -hmm. to explain that website, Genius is a lyrics website where you can highlight a lyric Anyone can upload theirs, big name artists can upload lyrics. You can highlight a lyric and up pops an annotation that you can edit to explain what goes on there. Mm -hmm. When you highlight it, a box pops up and it's just a text box and you can put anything in it. You know, people write little paragraphs explaining the lyrics. I've gone to the point where, I don't know if you've seen this, as time has gone on, it started for me just writing explanations textually then as time has gone on incorporating images videos timestamp youtube videos time to very specific places gifs and clips from movies that i had to cut myself and abstract well i want to say abstract text pieces that are standalone not even like explanations it's just their annotations that are little essays about my life basically so 
it's become a real art form for me honestly like mm-hmm. i claim that as a medium now where it could just be a text thing but i've run with it in a, in a weird way it's kind of like an almanac of sorts of different references uh of things that kind of just uh, accumulate different ideas um as you say kind of like annotations in which you're kind of talking about personal elements to your lyrics as well so it is kind of like a collage of different things it's not just a case of annotating uh, a sheet of words really it kind of goes beyond that so yeah i can i can see that yes the pages are their own work mm. they are partly supplemental to the music but they stand alone and in the more recent pages it's been that the music is loaded with all this material and beyond explanation of this is what i said in the lyrics it's like right. if you click on the annotations it's here's an article where you can learn more about this here's a lecture about it where you can learn more and bounce off and that's kind of partly that's one aim for the annotations the educational right. aspect where i bring something up in the lyrics and in the annotation i provide supplementary material for you can so you can look into whatever it is on your own time because if i'm saying it in lyric it's relevant and i think worth looking into mm-hmm. i think there's interesting stuff and here's some stuff that will allow you to be interested in it as well in the annotation so i'm a little bit familiar with it but i've never seen it quite done to the extent that it seems that you are doing it because you really are kind of going in on this and it seems to me a pretty good outlet and a supplement to what it is you're doing within your songwriting to sort of extrapolate on what it is you're saying because I'll, I'll be honest Gabriel, some of your verses are pretty dense and they move pretty quick. Um, You've got to have fast ears for some of your tracks and some of them kind of uh, skip away from me a little bit. So having the genius pages has actually helped in that sense. Is that one of the reasons that you kind of began to do this? So people did catch what you were talking about and could, as you say, sort of dig deeper into the subject matter? That's what it started out as. Yeah. I've gotten into this habit, or in terms of the songwriting process it's usually been make the beat write the lyrics record the song put it out okay. and immediately after annotate the lyrics on genius like that's part of the project the part of the process for me yeah it's part of the music making process when i make a song at the end i annotate the pages and it's interesting now because that was the initial thing mm-hmm. i put a song out called inside baseball that's 18 minutes long it's filled and filled with stuff and that genius pages so it's a novel's worth of it is like a kind of (laughs) almanac a little bit it's like not out of place to call it that it's filled with stuff of explanations and like i say jumping off points into outside material and that's how it's been but now and i mean in the past couple months because where i am in my life now is that i'm i started attending university again in person and that has taken up my time. And I knew before I even started, I was like, I don't want to assign myself even more homework because that's what it is. Me right. editing the genius pages, that's what it is. So I don't want to imagine failing my classes because I'm too busy focused on my own homework and not the class <laughs> I'm taking. So I was like, but I can still make the music. I just can't sure. do the annotation. And it's to a point now where the lyrics are so dense. And I don't know if you saw the more recent stuff. It's like, it's beyond language. Honestly, it's its own thing to unpack. I don't know if we, that's a path we can walk down if you and it's gotten so experimental the lyrics and so much more dense jam-packed it is and if you look at the annotate uh, the pages now it's blank 
I just don't have time to explain it at all. And I kind of like that, mm-hmm. that there, it's helpful in a educational sense. And I don't use that frivolously either. Mm. In regards to the project, which we haven't even explained yet, but like, like Ultra the Project, I've gotten into thinking it, uh, thinking of it as pure ultra and applied ultra to get educational with it. Okay. Pure is the music end of things where it's creative, the, the music itself, the, the instrumentals, the lyrics, that's the pureness of it. Applied is that, the mm-hmm. songwriting process, the creative process behind that. What leads to the ideas presented there and taking that process and applying it elsewhere. And I feel that's where the genius pages kind of come in. So you you touch on ultra, and that is something that I do have in my notes. Um, this seems to be kind of, I've, I mean, you tell me if it's, it's unfair to say, it seems to be kind of core of what you're doing, like at the center of what it is you're doing with the music. And it seems almost like it's a philosophy of sorts. Am I, would I be right in saying that? It's become that. It started right. out, of course, as a musical project. Mm. And what is the core of that core i guess it was <laughs> was in the beginning to craft my own unique style right of music yeah not specifically a genre per se just a sound that i can claim is okay. entirely my own and somewhere along that journey that began in 2017 the project proper after a year or so of that the unearthing the emerging of the deeper question in order to make my own unique style, I need to be my own unique person. Right. And that's when it got deeper. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, there's being a regular old person and learning a bunch of skills and creating a new sound through the understanding of the skills, but intrinsically, it's just you're kind of a regular old person. And then there's just being a unique novel person and everything you do automatically follows its novel anyway because you are a novel so that focus on individuality setting myself apart being unique being novel that's to bring it back to the pure applied thing that's the novel music and then just me being myself so yeah it's hard to word out because when I say ultra it's kind of both ultra being the music itself and ultra being the way that it would be kind of corny to call it a way of life. It's also not right. entirely out of place that as I'm throwing up in the world, in my thinking, my actions, mm-hmm. it's informed by this. I want to do something nobody's ever done before. I want to be right. someone nobody's ever been before. I put the word ultra on that as shorthand. It seems to me from my perspective, and bear in mind, I'm, I'm kind of new new to what you're doing, but it seems to me, and from what you've said here as well, it seems to sort of support it, is that it is a sort of excavation of self, of who you are at the moment, but who you are as you continue to sort of grow and learn and change and how things process and progress. And that kind of begins to feed more into to not just the sort of intellect in, in terms of your output, in terms of the creativity, but just the overall presentation of what it is you're doing, it kind of manifests, but from within, um, from a searching standpoint, that then kind of gets projected into what it is that you're doing. Would that be a reasonable way of condensing it, I guess? Yes, and I love the word excavation because it is on, 
I said unearthing earlier. That's an interesting emerging bit on my end that that word yeah. popped out. I've explained elsewhere about how as I'm kind of just making this stuff, right? I'm not, it's it, And especially in the past some months where I haven't had time to reflect on it. Like I say, making the songs and right. immediately after just annotating. And that's me reflecting on what I just did, mm-hmm. making sense of like, what did I even just do? Now, without having the time to annotate things, I'm just moving, moving, moving. And honestly, as we're sitting here right now, this is like the first time that I'm sitting here reflecting on what it is currently, because I've just been on my feet this whole time. And so it is that where I'll make something unconsciously and try and retrace my own steps, using that as a framework, because it's not exactly that. Right. Uh, Because if my mind's blank, then it's not like I can go back and... There's not a real there there that I can get, like, can grab onto of like, oh, that was the answer. Right. It's just what am I going to, what's the story I'm going to tell myself about what happened here? Mm-hmm. And what I, that's for a song where I just black out, make a song, and then like, what did I do? And for me, that's also my life. I'm 25, looking back at all of that all at once in every song, I guess, and being like, so I kind of just run around unconsciously make a song, and now I'm here consciously trying to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. I was also kind of unconsciously a child running around and just having stuff happen and living life. And then now I'm here, like trying to reflect on all that. And the excavation of self really goes deep because as time has gone on, I've recreated the instrumentals from a number of songs from my childhood, I guess, my teenage years when I first started making music to take these literal bits of my childhood in revisit them redo them update them to now that's, so that's interesting mm-hmm. so yeah you, you were really sort of reaching back into into the past to bring in lots of different fragments into the present and then afterwards you're kind of looking at how that's all pieced together yes and it's to a point where i feel like i have to do this like huh that's a question, like, and, and I'm interested in talking to anybody that has sort of artistic endeavors or artistic amb- ambitions. Do you feel like a compulsion to do what you're doing? Like, this is something that you need to do. It's not just like it's 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 a hobby that's become more of an interest that's become a, a consistent. It feels deeper than that. It kind of feels like you need to expel. Well, maybe expel is not the right word because that maybe has some negative connotations. But you kind of have to pull out and draw stuff that's in there. Otherwise. I don't know. It just, it feels like you need to get it out. In terms of need, a greater, wider need, it zooms out to a macro level, beyond right. a micro level. In terms of individuality, not only do I feel it's fun for me to be an individual, I also feel, I feel the world needs more people who are radically individual mm. and not as dependent on what other people think to focus on the music industry i feel there are so many people who are just carbon copies of everybody else oh for sure yeah that has been the way for decades unfortunately and it seems like there's no changing that or slowing that i think we as humans we gravitate towards patterns and any sense of understanding whether that be on a really macro somewhat somewhat celestial level or on just like a day-to-day understanding we gravitate towards patterns and things that can kind of give us affirmative answers so if you kind of find yourself um if you are an aspiring musician uh, you may be inclined to kind of be like okay where are the bars set now what's what's in trend and that's why 
and I'll kind of get into this because I do want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about the current sort of hip hop scene. But for me, as like a hip hop head for half of my life, it's a little bit disappointing that we find ourselves kind of stuck with trap beats. And that's pretty much what you hear a lot of. Not completely, because there are people obviously like yourselves doing their own independent thing and kind of looking at different angles. But it feels like we've hit a saturation point. Um, and, it, and that kind of gets recycled and repackaged. And you can go through the through the decades and find certain signatures that are some tomber instrumental ideas that are just kind of redone in a slightly different way and just kind of bleed through for a number of years. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting that I completely lost where I was going now. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of gravitate towards patterns, I think. And and yeah, it's it's interesting to see people doing things that are different. I will say that in conversations I've had with people online before. I find myself in a position to defend music nowadays because mm-hmm. the last thing that I want to do is be a backpacker hip hop head who bemoans the state of hip hop now. Right. That's right. been done. Mm-hmm. Somebody's somebody does that already. Okay, yeah. I can't do that. If I want to be somebody nobody's ever been before, somebody's been that already, so I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I hope my music sounds like I'm not somebody who is purely anti-hip-hop nowadays because I can make that argument in my sleep. Mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine when Roddy Ridge came out. I don't know if like you know, like he's a bit of a name nowadays recently. Mm-hmm. And something about him specifically, I think it was my friend who said, it's not like he's reinventing the wheel or anything. It's not like he's changing the game but he does have his own unique sound that I can differentiate from other people. And if you have that attenuation, I guess, is that a word that we're capable? If you have that sensitivity to, if you have that familiarity with the culture now, you can actually tell the difference between people. I remember having a conversation yeah. with someone where you could flip it easy, where if you talk about music nowadays, especially with someone younger, even younger than I am, they know it, everybody is completely their own person stylistically right. nowadays on the charts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you could look at backpacker stuff and be like, everybody's just lyrical miracle, boom, bappy, <laughs> everything's the same there. So yeah. it's like you could flip it easily. For sure. I think, I think it's a real blanket statement, even, even from the most cynical of people, which sometimes it can be myself, to just kind of be like, oh, well, it all sounds the same. It might do on the surface, but if you know it, if you're invested in it, if you're immersed in it, then yeah, I'm sure you will be able to pick up nuances and differences and be able to separate one person from another. Or likewise, you'll be able to be able to hear somebody and be like, yep, that voice is distinct. There's a signature in there. There's a musicality in there that somebody else doesn't use that I can pull out. You know, it's, it's as you say, a case of immersing yourself in it. And yeah, if you flip it, if you talk to somebody who is very much entrenched in the current wave, of of the genre you play them golden era stuff from the 90s i'm sure they would be able to say yeah lyrical miracle it all sounds the same you know right Right. so i hope to come from a place where it's that right i don't oh my goodness like ultra is not a parody of anything right i don't attempt to satirize anything nobody's the butt of my joke if it is it's me or everyone our entire species Mm -hmm. are for getting us into this world collapse in the first place. Like if that's, if I'm making fun of anything, it's that it's not kids having fun. So I feel like that's important for the music to be as for the music to expand to as wide of a range as I can be that I can. And across the project, it being 96 songs. Now there are, I think that's what it is. Nearly a hundred. There are songs that are 
entire like super like i'm saying cerebral experimental word bendy that thing and then there's some of the stupidest things i've ever written in my life and i want to like <laughs> embrace that and right that's a skill like yeah, i remember yeah. to name songs i don't know if you heard like jumps the shark or tip 3000 those are really ignorant songs that i had to like undo all the things that i learned in my lyrical approach to hip-hop and be like because there's a style in the dmv as it's called dc maryland virginia that sounds like they don't even have the beat like the beat is muted and they're recording without even listening to the beat it's so messy Hmm. and i heard it and i was like oh my god this is like so badass like this is so punk like they don't even care and i'm just like i want to try and do this Mm -hmm. so which just completely gets rid of the whole like I say, like, I had to completely get out of the mind state. So to zoom it out, that avoiding sounding the same as other musicians, avoiding thinking the same as other people in a, I hesitate to say political way. I don't want to steer into politics or anything, but like in terms of life philosophy, I guess, mm-hmm. how to go about making sense of life or making sense of any particular thing, making sense of making sense, if you want to get meta about that it's sprawling it's it's, mm. it's scattershot i want to go back to to basically the the origins of this when exactly did you start doing um like hip-hop and and for what reason because it, obviously anybody that listens to your, to your tracks will will get a sense that this is somebody that has a good sense of grammar that actually likes grammar and playing with linguistics that has got an interest in pursuing sort of academia and I think in the reddit post that you originally put you did mention about using hip-hop as a sort of tool for academia I'm curious to not only when did you start working within this medium but what actually came first the music or the content did you start making music because you wanted to start rapping and then you kind of began as you were learning more sort of fusing that into the lyrics or was this a thing of this is a good vehicle a good outlet to kind of express the things that I'm learning about both yes <laughs> and both and okay I started in middle school in eighth grade and how I, old is that because I'm used to like, I'm still getting oh, right, right. being English I'm still getting used to the school system right age. right I was 14 okay cool <laughs> <laughs> and I found nerdcore hip-hop I don't mm-hmm. know if you're aware of this, right? So I am I a little bit, but just briefly touch upon that for anyone that isn't. Nerdcore is nerdy hip-hop, Star Wars, video games, anime, not getting laid, etc. <laughs> and it was interpreted as a novelty back when it was in the spotlight, 09, 2010, around the time I started rapping. I didn't see it as that, and I feel that's the important bit of my early start i was young i had my computer in the house was surfing online found this nerdy stuff and was like oh i'm a nerd i'm shy and i like school oh these people are making hip-hop oh i guess i can just do that then like it was never weird it wasn't like some countercultural. oh i'm gonna show these bullies of that i'm like oh i guess i'm just gonna do this then because this is normal like it's normal so it happened early on like that and it turned into like you were saying earlier with the chicken and egg which came first type thing it did turn into I started paying attention in class I started paying attention in class a little bit because I was looking for stuff to rap about and 
a number of times for a number of classes, my teachers found out in high school and middle school, and they wanted me to write stuff. I wrote some stuff for my high school, for the school, and had a video recorded that played for the whole school about passing a test, like a one of those big standardized tests. I wrote a little anthem for that. And yeah, the school and music have been intertwined for the longest. All right, gang, so we're about to jump back into it in just a minute, but I have to sort of explain why there's a sudden leap in the conversation here. Uh, At the time of recording this with Gabriel, somebody came to his door and uh, he went to see who it was and deal with whatever business was going on. And by the time he got back to me, we'd kind of lost the thread of where we were at in the conversation. So we kind of fumbled our way back into it and in the process ended up going into a very interesting and unexpected side conversation which you're about to hear now. I remember early on in quarantine, so something that I did over quarantine, the main thing that I did over quarantine, I don't know if you saw this, was that I had a lot of long-form conversations with listeners of mine, people who just hmm. found out about my stuff, people who've been, listen- who've been listening to my stuff for years. I had three-hour, four-hour, five, six, sometimes seven wow. hours conversation unbroken Yikes. with people who have been listening to my stuff for a while now we're talking music we're talking life everything and mm. early on in quarantine i was telling a friend in real life about that and how i feel i've gotten so much better ex- at explaining things at wording things out thanks to the practice of these conversations and i yeah. was like oh my god i'm so much better at talking to people and he was like oh that's so funny people probably other people probably got a lot worse at that and i was like oh yeah <laughs> and So (laughs) during that time, I was kind of just building up my explaining muscles, I guess, in, yeah, and not just explaining stuff, because it would be ridiculous if I was having conversations with listeners, and it was just me explaining my (laughs) lyrics, that would be really weird, was, (laughs) settle down, everybody, I'm going to tell you. Like, that very (laughs) one-sided conversation, no, like, and when I say I got better at talking, that's what I got better at talking, well, it's, right it's more that I got better at listening and more passionate Mm. about listening. And I'm at a point now where that's all I've really want to do. And when I'm in person, I don't talk about the music stuff. I kind of go out of my way to not talk about it because it's so much. And there's so much to explain that if we were to have a conversation about that, it would be explaining. And I don't want that. I love listening. Mm -hmm. I love being with people way more. So the original normal of sharing space with people, though I guess for me it definitely wasn't as conscious as it is now, just being in the same space with people and then establishing that new normal, the normal of online, you don't need to consider all that stuff. And it isn't much of a returning. I'm not the first person to point this out. It's not returning to a normal. It's more an entirely different space. And it's an evolution of sorts. I genuinely feel it's an evolution of, of of state of mind and of being. I think a lot of people obviously want to crave the the touchstones. And again, kind of going back to what we're saying about as humans, we kind of reach out for patterns and, and familiarities and a sense of understanding. And a lot of people understandably want a lot of that back in their, their life. But I feel and I hope that a lot of people kind of want to build on top of that, that they want to see that now as a foundation and take some of the things that they've learned, whether that is from an introspective standpoint or if it is, as you're saying, getting better at communication, not just talking, but listening and kind of 
um, you know, to, to throw a sort of very vague overused fr- uh, phrase, holding space for people. Uh, you know, hopefully they want to kind of take that into what they are considering normal moving forward. But I generally feel it's, it's an evolution of sorts, of, certainly of social behaviour, I would hope, you know, because if we've gone through all of this shit and learned nothing, right, right. <laughs> what, you know, what does that say about us? Right. Yeah, kind of getting back into to I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit because that's really curious about you holding like long long form conversations with people. How was that, especially with people um, that have listened to your output and that are coming to you, uh, you know, through that? How was that for you? First off, humbling. It was deeply yeah. moving to meet all these people who. Like, yeah, like I say, like some people have been listening to my stuff for years and to have multiple conversations with people. And there were multiple factors in it. One was me feeling weird about having what little following I have. And people, Hmm. a couple of times people were nervous to meet me. And I was like, I didn't, I kind of don't like, I feel weird about that (laughs) because I just feel is it, is it a bit surreal? A little bit. And it, my immediate reaction is I don't want it to be that because I'm just a regular old person. Like I said earlier, right. with the music, like this was just what I do. I don't know. Like this is just the life that I've lived. And for people to be like, oh my God, it's like just over me just kind of living life the way that I've been without it really thinking about. It. I don't know. So part of it was mm. I don't want that, that parasocial relationship, that asymmetry to be there I want to close that gap and be like hi you're talking to the person like you may have heard my voice on the whatever it was right. like that's curated it's all intentional here I am on the fly like this is the person you're talking to and yeah long-form conversation is its own art form and it's a skill it's an art it's a science oh, it's sure. a skill to cultivate and I feel that oh there's so much to it like <laughs> I swear, like, this quote or this moment keeps coming back. This clip, I guess, from Ninja, you know, the streamer, Ninja? I must admit, I have a lot of ignorance, and it's okay. not purposeful. It's just because I'm getting older, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. and I don't have time to keep up with stuff. I'm familiar with the name. Okay, so, and it's not important. Just, like, a big streamer person gets interviewed. He's one of the biggest, and he had this interview where he was talking about Logan Paul, do you know who Logan Paul is? It's fine if you don't. Yes, I do. I, well, I primarily know him from boxing people now, but he used to be someone yeah. on YouTube. He's a bit of a goofball on YouTube and yeah. whatever. So he is known for, Logan Paul is known for these jump cutty, high energy videos that just snaps us out, cut, 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 high energy. Mm-hmm. And he, Logan Paul, tried to do streaming once. And Ninja, this professional, experienced streamer, was dying because like... It, after what a couple hours in somebody who's known for this higher energy content was checking his phone all the time just nothing right it's an entirely different sport and from what i recall of what ninja said about it it's exposing like mm. if you only have so much in you like like i said seven hours i'm not no breaks like i had right. a couple of times where i was going that long with people and we weren't running out of stuff to talk about. It was that Man. same energy that whole time. Especially, you know, I'm talking to people who have been listening to this project for years. They've seen it develop. They are on the same page, you know. And it's a rare space to be in. It's so it's such a precious space. Just to after a while, I was like, 
to spend this much time with someone unbroken. When I was, I'm not playing video games or checking my phone while I'm talking to people. Like I'm mm. with you right now. I'm not to yeah. you right now. I'm not like doing anything else. Like I'm giving all my attention, my undivided attention to you. I can confirm this listeners. He hasn't even got his phone <laughs> in his hands. It's, like, it's, a mod, it's a modern miracle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to divide my attention up. Like I'm right. just like giving it to whoever is here and to share that space. Like mm. it's really striking to see what happens when you're space like that, what people say, we're talking, most of them were younger people. And some people after a while, they just told really, really personal things to me, which I won't share to anybody at all, you know, confidentiality, right. of course. And I didn't ask them to, you know, I'm just like, let me just be here with you. So I just, whenever I had the chance to speak to anybody online, mm-hmm. I was so immensely, intensely grateful that I was like, just, I'm here to listen to you. I just want to share this space with you. And that's it. I don't need anything else from you. And people just open up and uh, like, yeah, it's, it was really special time to share with people just, and it was like 30 some people, some people multiple times. Yeah. And it happened pretty regularly throughout quarantine. And I knew through that, the more conversations I was having, I was like, I cannot wait to get back in person. I can't wait to do this in person and share physical right. space with people, to share experience with people who right in front of me and to have, to shared air. And like, I knew early on in quarantine, I was like, I'm never taking any time I spend with anybody for anything at all for granted ever mm. again, as long as I live. That was a main lesson for me. If we're talking evolution, yeah. Like, the rest of my life, I'm like any interaction with anybody, like an awkward interaction at the line of the bank. It's like, oh, that's a blessing. Like compared to the being completely cut off from it, of the yeah. World standing still, like anything's right. better than that. I'm here. It's it's that. a beautiful thing, even even from like the the mind of a, a very sort of introverted person like myself. It's a beautiful thing, and and even though like I'm. I'm I've, I've never really done well in group situations, but put me in a one-on-one situation with somebody and we find... Same, exact same. Like, not so much common ground in terms of, like, surface value stuff, but if you kind of hit upon something where it's just, like, just one little kernel, and it's just like, okay, and then we can kind of just go on and peel the layers off and get a little bit deeper and deeper. I think there's something really beautiful about that. So when you're saying about spending such a long amount of time with people in these unbroken sessions, I've got to admit that from a, a standpoint as a person separating yourself from the art that you do that's got to be extremely fulfilling um as you are kind of getting to know these people you're kind of getting to have shared experiences you're kind of getting to see differences in terms of experiences hearing about things you can't relate to and vice versa and what have you but also as an artist as well you talk about that sort of parasocial relationship and closing the gap between being this this sort of abstract figure this person behind a microphone who's producing music and putting it out to being a person who you're having that connection with to be able to kind of close the gap in that sense as well it's got to be really truly fulfilling as well yeah multiple times too just at the level of the music mm. people have told me things that i've put in lyrics i've shouted out names of people <laughs> like in lyrics and there's one song that i don't normally collaborate but the first time that i initiated one was a song called Assemble. I don't know if you heard that. It's how many? 14 people on it. And it's a bunch of people from throughout my life, big name artists with a bunch of like mass, with sizable followings. And I just felt really 
uh, like I was in a position to put to make this track where it's people with millions of plays on their songs and there are people who just started rapping on the same song listeners of mine yeah. like th- that's a space I like to hold so there is it being nourishing as a person yeah and it being fruitful in the music as well I will say this too in regards to conversation beyond like I said earlier and beyond it just being fulfilling as me the person mm. I feel in this fast-paced world it's hard to find time to have what I call what I've begun referring to in my head as exploratory conversations long-form exploratory conversations as opposed to this is like one thing that has arisen lately that for me, that's been in my head that we want to, if we want, we can put the word ultra on it. It being a more formal principle of the ultra philosophy or whatever. Okay. Like here's one like subdivision, <laughs> the perspective on conversations, exploratory versus goal oriented or transactional conversations. So like, if I ask you what your name is and you say, Mal, like, thanks. Like you're just handing me something. That's the right. function of that conversation, a functional conversation. Whereas a conversation like this one, where we're just going off the top of our heads. There's no plan. There's no anything. Mm. And to be in that space, like I said, for hours and hours and hours, every single one of those conversations, I was like, I don't have anything planned for anything. I'm going on every one of these conversations blind and it just goes. And I feel that not only is it fun and you learn about yourself and this other person, you're in very delicate vulnerable place to grow with someone in real time that's Mm. nice and uh, flappy and emotional (laughs) in a macro sense i feel you really you know like you said like peeling off these layers you get to really the root of things and i think if there's stuff you access in the fifth hour of a conversation that you can't access anywhere else right if you set time for it, it's just so difficult to say, Hey, do you want to cut four hours out of your day to sit here and talk about nothing with no plan? Like, but that's the intention to let Mm -hmm. things emerge. I've gotten a lot of mileage out of the word emerge lately, because I feel it's about that creating Mm -hmm. a space where things can open up freely. Like you don't have to just hand me something that you have at the ready. Right. It's organic. Yes. Things just pop out. Right. Yeah. Like, if I tell you the story of me rapping, it'll just be pulling out that story and just here you go. But like, right. it, just like if I ask you a story like that or like anybody, just like, mm-hmm. I feel getting, and you end up finding out who you really are, if we want to put it that way. After six hours of talking to someone and you're just out, some people just run out of stuff to talk about because that's yeah. the extent of their selves. Right. Like, and the extent of the connection as well because oh, the true, thing true, is, true, true, you true. you may have a shared time to say to somebody who's willing to listen but if you just don't feel that you are kind of meeting somewhere on the same or a similar frequency it can be difficult because yes. then you kind of put internal blockades and yeah. you're just like i don't feel this person quite is is kind of getting me or i'm not getting them and therefore you kind of partition the bits that you would reveal say at the fifth hour of a conversation yes And that's why I was saying it's a skill and why I love listening way more. Why I say opening up that space to emerge. So when I say I I was having these conversations, it is intentional in that specific techniques, like I think I heard this somewhere and it's not like I'm looking these things up really. Like I'm not just one to read these books about 
how to have a good conversation or whatever, just in, but one technique I got from somewhere, I don't even remember where, asking somebody a question and just seeing how long they go. No interrupting, just wait until they stop. Because eventually they just stop. Somebody just stops. But like for some people, it's like, you know, they give a really short answer and there you go. Also like intentionally leaving silence to like see if they feel it. Like, (laughs) so when I enter a conversation, I hope to not have it be that. Because like I say, I'm not like, ask like, tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. Like, it's not like, let's get (laughs) down to your truest self. Like, just talk to me. No judgment. I'm here. Just like, Say anything, and this is an important thing too. Say anything you want. You're not stupid. Maybe it doesn't make sense, but like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, things that make sense are like probably things you like planned out or something. Mm. But if like, if it doesn't make sense, then like, yeah, that means you're really going off the cuff. And some people, like, I in these conversations, like, I get so worried because people are like, does that make sense? You know, catching things like, right. People are like, I'm sorry if that doesn't make sense. Like, and stuff like that. I'm just like, no, you don't need to apologize. It's to, not to me. Like, this is a space where you can say anything you want and you're fine. And I feel like that's so rare, especially if we want to make it about, like, this, bring in the social context of right. people walking on walking on eggshells and being careful about what they say, you know? It's like, none of that with me. Like, just say I, yeah, anything. For, for sure, I've noticed that. I, I think, like, uh, a lot of people are obviously concerned about the general public image and i mean I, we could kind of go way up into the deep yeah, end about yeah. how social media has definitely played a hand in people's self-consciousness about how they come across and how they seem to other people but as a whole i think you know a, a lot of us do worry about that so i i like the idea of, of not having to apologize for kind of not making sense because if it doesn't make sense it just shows that perhaps you're exploring a new territory for the first yes, time and you're not percent. familiar with it but you're showing the willingness to try and go there and kind of see what's over here, you know, and it may be something that you don't come back to that you don't want to explore further, but showing the willingness to even take a peek at it in the first place shows a great sense of of growth, really. Yes. And like I say, it's partly an expansion of self because wouldn't it be nice to be your best self? It's also like, if we, we want to talk about generation of solutions to problems, it takes stepping out of there to not to get out of your comfort zone to not rely on the same techniques as before to enter that space where it's like this isn't something i've ever thought about before like this is Mm. not a place that i've visited before and i feel the need to bring into the conversation this perspective on the hero's journey are you familiar with that the mythic joseph campbell Mm -hmm. basically that's a deep dive you could really go into it reframes your perspective on narratives structure this universal narrative structure we're talking ancient myths to star wars of hero is at home hero gets called to action hero leaves slays the dragon and comes back home i remember i forget where i heard it somebody said the most important part of the hero's journey is that you come back home that that's the end of the story it's not that because you just save the day the end it's like you save the day and then you go back home and home is never the same because you're not the same anymore right exactly so so when i'm taking this departure in music let's say to bring it back to the music sure i don't want and i have no idea how to communicate this outside of like straight up telling people which i try to communicate (laughs) this i 
don't really want to be straightforward with it in the music, which is its own. It has to do with the artistic end of things and me wanting to be more subtle about it. But the crazy, wacky, nonsense lyrics, if there were an aim, I could explicitly say of like, if you're going into it, it's kind Mm -hmm. of that where you leave and you go to this other ultra planet and you're like, what is even going on here? And you have to, it generates new thoughts automatically because you're in a new space. If you step Mm -hmm. into a room you've never been in before, you have new thoughts. If you meet a new person you've never met before, you automatically have new thoughts. You can't resort to the thoughts you've already had where you think of a certain person and yeah, it's like, yeah, you already know that. You just automatically think new thoughts. So you hear this music, which is unlike anything you've ever heard before, and you automatically think new thoughts. And you take that new thought and you bring it back home. And now you might revisit where you've always been and look at it different that's my thing so that's what i feel is the macro responsibility for me to be somebody who's who's never been before is that something that you're trying to kind of pursue further as you keep moving forward with with the music is is kind of trying to take it into different directions and looking at you were talking about like bringing in um memories sonic like sonic memories from your past and and what have you and kind of changing are you like somebody that is constantly wanting to kind of evolve a little bit of what you're doing rather than kind of stay in the same pocket and be like well I've kind of done this I could do this forever but let's look at different things is, is that something that you're kind of applying in terms of the, the the craft that you're doing in terms of the project yeah I've hit a point where like I say I'm busy with other stuff and right I've reached this low-key assembly line process because I've working on been working on this project for over four years now and process has become make the beat which is find a cartoony sample put the drums on it that's the beat that's kind of it not very complicated write these lyrics and record it and i can just make a song like that easy Mm -hmm. so i'm at a point now where i low-key am on autopilot where i am just making these songs and my excuse for that is that i feel this entire it's at a point now where I, I'm more focused on the lyrics than I am the actual songs, straight up. Okay. Where it's more about the wordplay, the linguistic like experimentation and all that, this making up new words, shoving words inside other words. It's more about the writing end of things than it is about the music. So okay. it's more that I'm writing these verses and I'm just recording them over these beats. Not to say I'm half-assing the beats or anything. It's like, right. I'm still want to make some good music. But it's like secondary to I just want to like experiment and mm-hmm. I can, I'm comfortable sticking with that plan for now. Of right. a, a serious motivation for Ultra has been that I know that I'm on to something and I know that I'm executing this individual okay. unprecedented like being unprecedented kind of goal. And as much as I want to innovate and experiment stylistically, it's also just I also just want to like I say ninety six songs. Part of it is just, I want to get that number as big as possible. It's kind of that, where... Okay, why, I, why is that, out of curiosity? Why, the, the growing the numbers? Uh, yeah, yeah. And are you talking about number of songs? Number of songs. Created? Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Why is that, just out of curiosity? A real shift in motivation for the project was, if I don't do this, nobody else is going to do it. Okay. Nobody else is going to have this... Nobody else is going to make this style or have these Mm. thoughts or capture these things on record, right? This way, make beats this way. So 
as you go on and get a bit more confident in yourself, like for me, it turns into, I could kind of, I don't want to say phone something in, but like, if I don't put my 110% effort, it's like, there are a number of songs on Ultra where I wouldn't at all consider them like perfect. It's not like every single right. one of those songs is like, oh, the best thing I ever made. Some of them were, I made it like, I quit about it. I rage quit them. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't feel this song anymore. And I just kind of put it out there. So I was like, right. and I like that part of the process where it, I'm yeah. not saying it's 90 songs are the best things ever. It's like, this is a, this is me growing. I'm not saying everything is perfect. So part of me just likes, like if we're talking about selling it, I guess like air quotes around selling, hmm just running into a project that has a hundred songs on it is a bit more memorable than running into right. it with 50, even though 50 is a lot too. It's just, yeah, it is just the on the face of it factor of here's a bunch of songs and they don't have to be experimental. It's like the one style that I have, the cartoony intellectual lyric thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can, that's just how I make stuff. Like I have that in me for as long as I can. So it's like, that's pretty inexhaustible. I can just make songs like that. Right. And it, the more songs like that there are, the more unprecedentedness there is because that's just baked into the style. So it's like, okay, mm. I just need to make more stuff. That's like the baseline. Like I don't ever want to have the innovation get in the way of that, where I'm just like, if I set a lofty goal for myself in terms of expanding my style, if I don't meet it, it's like, okay, fine. I just want to, I just want more songs. I think it's it's interesting you've kind of gathered yourself a bit of a spectrum in the sense that obviously some songs are a bit more chiseled that you've spent more time on, presumably yeah. you, you've kind of gone over and over and over and tried to change things. Yes. I mean, I'm just guessing in terms of a creative yes. process. And then some things, as you say, you've rage quit and you went, just throw it out, it'll do. Straight up, yeah. you know? And I, I think that's actually kind of interesting. And I actually think it's kind of healthy from a creative standpoint because you can, and God knows I know, get too hung up on making something just right right and we can't put it out until every single piece is is just perfectly aligned and chiseled and everything's in its place and that can be healthy too but it could also be extremely uh, detrimental to, yes. to to mental health but also the creative process as well because then you begin to resent that thing that you're working on yeah a little bit and like for me it comes down to decisiveness and in mm. tracking this conversation right now I'm like I, I, it's oscillating between like I'm saying the music and me as a person so I'm going to like move towards um, me as a person now so when I was in high school I spent three years in a Marine Corps ROTC program okay. uh, military type situations I never had plans to join the military but I was in this program mm-hmm. and learned a lot about leadership and hung out with a lot of kids who ended up in the military one important well, I guess 14 important things we learned in that class were these Marine Corps designated leadership traits. And it was this this list of traits, and I can name them all to this day, that are important to being a leader as the Marine Corps defines it. One of them is decisiveness, which is hmm. to say you can decide, you can make a decision. It's not a good decision. It doesn't have to be a good decision. Right. It's just the fact that you make a decision at all. Like I, hmm. I wrote an article for this friend of mine's website albert kim from the noetic nomads interview i don't know if you saw that i wrote an article for his website about decisiveness because i feel like it's so important and i made this analogy off the top of my head of hanging out with a bunch of friends who 
are trying to decide what to eat and they're proing and conning all these different restaurants. And then one friend gets up and it's like, all right, I'm going to start going to the door now and I'm going to start walking to my car so we can go to the mall and eat something or whatever. And now it's like, okay, the decision has been made. Like, so amidst all these conversations, like I say, in these exploratory conversations, like I'm all for it. There is also this aspect of this has to like lead to something eventually. There has to be like a hard stop on it. And for me, that's the only reason, like a major reason why the project is as big as it is because I don't, I'm ne- I've never been one to work on something for months and months and months it's just mm-hmm. it's done like and I feel that has presented itself in my life where I know what I want and of course I'm listening and I'm taking in all these different options all these different alternatives all in the name of eventually picking one and sticking to that one yeah like exercising agency being able to say like this is what i think and being decisive about that so i think that's there's definitely a, a fantastic trait to have in any sort of creative endeavor it's, it's not just the agency but the decisiveness yeah yeah for sure being able to be like okay we're done with this So there you go. That is the first part of the two-part conversation I had with Gabriel, a.k.a. Mr. Master. And yeah, we covered a lot, a lot of different topics, all of them infinitely fascinating and curious. I think you will agree. Next week, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the music side. We're going to be looking at the idea of comedy and music, uh, target appeal, becoming too niche. Uh, Mr. Master's Lyrical Spectrum and Novel Thinking. And if you go check out his genius annotations, you'll see that he really does have quite the the wide and expansive vernacular and there is a lot going on there. So we kind of get into that, into some of the, the reasoning behind that, uh, the process of the songwriting and the beat making, some of his musical influences, lots of good stuff. So if you are here primarily for the music... Next week's episode is definitely the one you want to be checking out. And the best way to do that, of course, is to simply subscribe via wherever you got this episode from. Or if you fancy changing a podcast platform, we're pretty much everywhere. If you have enjoyed this episode, and there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't have, then of course you can give us a rating and a review. That helps with all the internet alchemy and does wonders for the podcast somehow. I still don't understand what it does. I think it makes us more visible on search engines or something like that. Um, I know it helps. So if you want to help the show, you can, outside of subscribing, give us a rating or a review. You can, of course, follow me, as I mentioned at the top of the show, on Twitter and Instagram at I am Mal Foster. We do have a YouTube channel, which last week's episode, the video version of last week's episode, is on. And I highly recommend you go check that out if you haven't done so already. But if Facebook is your thing, if that's the only social media you use, we've also got a page on there. You can find links to all of that stuff down in the show notes, along with, obviously, all of the stuff related to Mr. Master. So if you are looking to take a huge deep dive into the world of Ultra, you can find his SoundCloud page in there. There is the page to the Genius Annotations, his social media stuff. 
yeah, go check it out. Definitely in time for next week's episode, and then you'll kind of have an even better framework for what we're going to be talking about in part two. And on that note, that about does it for this week's episode. As for next week's episode, well, I've already told you all about it, so there's no need to do that, is there? No. Anyway, look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time, keep it dined out. Thank you.